2: That you just don't handle well. It may mean breaking up with a boy or girlfriend, but you just can't handle being around. It may mean that you give up going to such to certain places like the beach. It may mean that. Everybody is different. But cut out anything that causes you to stumble. Anything. Otherwise, you're gonna set yourself up for a fall. So number one, avoid lust stimulators. You've got to do that. That's a discipline. David never learned to discipline his mind. You must do that. Secondly, not only, dis, not only avoid lust stimulators, but flee. Just run. Don't try to reason this out. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.22, he said, flee youthful lusts. Timothy, you're a young man. Don't hang around to, to, and stick around trying to figure this thing out. If you're tempted sexually, get out of there. He also told the Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee immorality. Now, there's a reason why Paul said flee. He didn't turn into Bible verses and think this way. He just said, get out of there. Like Joseph, who ran away from Potiphar's wife. Joseph did the right thing. He didn't even have the New Testament. He had enough common sense to know, get out of there, flee. When David first saw Bathsheba bathing, he should have run away before it was too late. That's what he should have done. You see, if you don't flee right away, you will lose the battle, I guarantee it. Lust will take control of you at that moment. It was Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon had a great quote. He said, the time to kill a snake is when it's in egg form. Is that not good? The time to kill a snake is when it's in egg form. Flee youthful lust. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Uh, wrote these words. I I think this is brilliant because it's so, so true. He He said this. He observed that when lust takes control, and I quote, at this moment, God loses all reality. When lust takes control, God, he said, loses all reality. Satan does not fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God forgetfulness. That is to say that when David looked at Bathsheba at that moment that he did that second look and stared and became a dirty old man, he didn't hate God. He just forgot God. He forgot who he was. He forgot about his relationship. He forgot forgot who God was. He forgot about his devotion to God. He just put God out of his mind. That's what happens. See, you, you can't reason your way through sexual temptation. When you are in the grip of lust, the reality of God just fades away. No matter how high you have been spiritually, the reality of God fades away, and you can't think of anything else except getting your lust satisfied. That's where David was. To so flee lust. It says flee youthful lust. You don't have to be a youth to flee youthful lust. You can be someone who's old. Flee youthful lust. So not only, and these are just practical things to help you in controlling your mind, not only avoid lust stimulators, which is just common sense, and flee youthful lust, which is another common sense thing, but here's a third common sense principle. Establish some guidelines to protect you, protect yourself, from losing control of your emotions. Before it ever happens, you establish some guidelines. Let me give you some examples of what I mean. First of all, men... If you're married, never be alone with another woman. I mean, that's just common sense. Don't be alone with another woman. Now you say, but my, my job dictates that I have to do this. Okay, if that's the case, your job calls you to do this, then make sure you call your wife and say where you are and who you're with and where you can be reached. Just common sense. Number two, if you're married, don't bear your soul to a person of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Don't bear your heart. Why? Because emotional intimacy often awakens a desire for more intimacy. That's an important, important truth. Many affairs begin by somebody who poured out their troubles to someone they weren't married to, and the next thing you know, they're involved in physical intimacy. Never started that way, looked innocent enough, but there was emotional intimacy and it developed further along. And they would say, We never planned on this. Well, David never planned on it either, although that wasn't exactly David's situation. Another thing, never engage in flirting, even if you think, well, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just trying to be cute. I'm trying to be funny. Why do I say never engage in flirting, even if you say the other person just knows I'm, I'm kidding around? Why? Because the other person may be so desperate for that kind of attention that some unwholesome desires may be aroused you were kidding. They took it as, as uh, serious. They didn't have anyone pay attention to them like that, even if you were just kidding. So don't do that. Don't do that. Another, another uh, area to be careful about is common sense guidelines. Be careful how you touch other people of the opposite sex and uh, even how, how you hug them. Now I think there's an appropriate touch. There's an appropriate hug. We don't have to be people who are standoffish. But there's also an inappropriate hug and an inappropriate touch. And you know the difference. Don't send the wrong message. So be careful. Now, before we, we move on to another reason why, D, why David fell, a word is in order about Bathsheba. Have you ever wondered when I'm going to get to her? Or if I'm going to get to her? Well, Scripture never speaks about her as the one who sinned. That doesn't mean she didn't sin. You know, you've got to wonder why she's on the roof. And knowing that that David has a roof that's higher than hers. So whether it was intentional or not, we don't know. We don't know if she'd try to seduce him. Uh, we're, not, we're not sure. She may have, she may not. But the focus is always in the scripture on, on David because that's what the story is about. And uh, we could say this, maybe Bathsheba didn't intend to seduce David, but her lack of modesty certainly had the same effect. And I think that, that ladies, you may not realize it, you may not intend to do this, but you need to be careful about uh, how you dress, how you carry yourself. First Timothy two nine is an outstanding verse that addresses this this very issue. First Timothy two nine. He's talking about the worship service of a church. He says, dress appropriately. Dress appropriately. First Timothy two nine. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing. Modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments. In that culture of the day, he meant don't come to church like it's a fashion show. Don't come to church. He's not saying don't dress up. He's just saying don't come to church with the with the intention of drawing attention to yourself. You come there to worship the Lord. It's not a fashion display. You're coming there to worship the Lord, so don't try purposely to dress in such a way to get Uh, People's attention, especially men. There are Christian women who haven't got a clue as to how they're dressing, and they may be naive about it, and so somebody ought to tell them. Somebody ought to tell them that uh, it's an unnecessary temptation for a man. So, ladies, you can help men by the way you dress, not to draw attention to yourself, not to wear suggestive clothing, because you will send the wrong message, and every man knows when that's happening.
1: As a side note, we should remind the dads in our audience that if you have a daughter who dresses suggestively, you know from firsthand experience the kind of thoughts that pop into a young man's mind when he sees young ladies dressed in certain ways. You can warn her as only a dad can do. We will get back to David's moral fall on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is guiding us on a verse by verse tour of the life of King David. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there since 1981. These radio versions of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve has some thoughts to share with you about how and why you might want to become a partner with us in making these lessons available to radio audiences.
2: I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on verse by verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio and uh, our program has been transformed by by scripture, because uh, the word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727 727- 441 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758.
1: You can learn more at our website, Verse by Verse Radio. That's all one word, versebyverseradio.org. And if you would like a CD or cassette with this message, Call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number, and we will return your call during regular office hours. David's Fall with Bathsheba is an illustration of how we can rationalize our actions, no matter how wrong they are. We will consider those rationalizations on the next Verse by Verse. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden.
0: You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org.
3: It is a brand new day. I'm Bill Carl. You're listening to Faith Talk 570 and 910. Let me encourage you today that God is still in control. He's still on the throne, and we're going to walk through this season together and know that He is Lord. And I just want to encourage you with that this morning. I just don't think we can get enough good words uh, today. You know, dad is a good word, and Father's Day is coming up. You still have a chance to sign up to win $1,000 for dad. Click the Father's Day sweepstakes tab at letstalkfaith.com.
4: The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I would sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare.
1: Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called
4: her and everybody that I had sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your time, share, or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different.
1: Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-515-1771. That's 800-515-1771.
3: 800-515-1771. i Bill Carl here with Dave Moss, Jr. from Moss Nissan. Dave, I was recently at your showroom, and you could just sense something different there. And what I mean by that, and, and you said it yourself, is when someone comes to Moss Nissan, you don't have crosses plastered on the walls, but you want the cross plastered on your heart. And you can sense that.
5: And
6: it's uh, it's the little messages, you know, like, I, and I, I don't want to stereotype either. Here I am stereotyping. I, but I would say most dealerships don't play worship music in the showroom, but we do. So when you're walking through the showroom, no matter if you've had a good day or a bad day or indifferent you you have music that is realigning your thoughts so that your actions and your face can be positive. Your actions can be positive, and your your words can be positive.
3: And I would say firsthand experience here, when you visit Moss Nissan, you're going to sense a difference. And if you're a pastor or a church worker, they're going to take care of you with the You Serve You Save program for folks who serve the Lord. Ask about it when you go to Moss Nissan. Newport, Ritchie, Crystal River, Tampa, and at mossnissan.com. Take Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910 with you wherever you go. Using our mobile app, letstalkfaith.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at radio.com.
0: The fighting spirit of the Marine Corps is born of battles won. Battles won within, over enemies of fear, enemies of doubt. It's who we are, it's what we do. It's a promise made to you for more than two centuries. A promise of the Marines. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns. And that someone is us. We are free radio. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. All states. Vice President Pence laments the loss of two Christian giants in the
5: past couple of years. At Friday's memorial service in Atlanta, the vice president said Ravi Zacharias was a towering Christian figure. In the late Reverend Billy Graham, it's been observed that God gave us the greatest evangelist of the 20th century. In Ravi Zacharias, God gave us the greatest Christian apologist of this century. Zacharias built a global ministry dedicated to defending and explaining the Christian faith. Greg Clugston, SRN News. Aid to the church in need is
0: paying for 20 Christian families in Burkina Faso to move out of the region where Muslim terrorists have been launching attacks. Terror groups have been killing and wounding believers in Burkina Faso for several years, and conditions are only getting worse. It's unclear, though, how many people have had to abandon their homes, but they say the number is growing.
5: This is SRN News. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store.
1: The following is sponsored by Grace To You. It almost
6: seems as if God has called us in the world to a very special calling, to restore and to experience something that has been lost since the fall. We are, as it were, to restore this world to the peace that was forfeited in sinning. And so God has designated a group of special people that he calls peacemakers.
4: Welcome to Grace to You with John MacArthur on Faith Talk Tampa. Peace for our time. Those words sound so optimistic, but they highlight one of history's great blunders. Those words were spoken by British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain following the Munich Agreement with Germany. The goal of the agreement was to prevent conflict in Europe, and yet, one year later, World War II began. History is brimming with examples like that, people claiming they've achieved peace when they haven't. So how can you be different? How can you experience genuine peace and help others find it? Get answers today as John MacArthur continues his study of the Beatitudes, showing you what Jesus meant by blessed are the peacemakers. But before the lesson, John, it's the first day of a new month of broadcasts, and we have some great things scheduled for the coming weeks. How about taking a minute here to let our listening family know what they can expect if they tune in throughout June?
5: Well, this week, Phil, we're going to continue our look at the Beatitudes, and I, I love the Beatitudes, so I, I, I rejoice that we're, we're doing it, and we're, and we're still after it, even this week. Next Monday, June 8, we're going to do a series called The Integrity Factor. There, there's a missing ingredient in our culture, integrity. It's coming from Hebrews 13, and uh, we subtitle it, A Basic Course in Christian Ethics. Does character matter for the Christian? You better believe it does. This study looks at aspects of your life and my life that should present a stark contrast to the watching world from what they normally see, issues like marriage, personal relationships, worship of God, many, many more. So, starting next Monday, The Integrity Factor. And then on June 22nd, we're going to take a helpful look at a very important doctrine, one that you love eternal security. That's right, eternal security. We're going to look at Romans chapter 5. It answers the question, is salvation forever? Can you lose your salvation? Uh, There are so many people who worry about that. God's Word is clear, and it's critical to your own peace and joy to understand the truth about eternal security. Starts June 22nd. And then, of course, looking ahead to July, We're going to focus on end times prophecy. We're going to start with a compelling look at the signs of Christ's return. And the title of the series is going to be Jesus is Coming. We're going to look at one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, Matthew 24. And that series on Jesus is Coming will run from July 2nd all the way to the 24th of July. So, coming up, some more about the Beatitudes, then the integrity factor, then eternal security,
4: and then Jesus is Coming.
5: Over the next few weeks, you want to be with us every day.
4: Yes, friend, many excellent opportunities to grow in your understanding of God's Word in the coming months. And that starts right now as John continues his series simply titled The Beatitudes.
6: Look with me, will you, at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I want to read again for you the verses that are the setting for our thoughts Verses 1 through verse 12, Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. We come to the seventh step in the ladder which ascends to divine blessedness, the seventh of the Beatitudes, peacemakers. It almost seems as if God has called us in the world to a very special calling, to restore and to experience something that has been lost since the fall. We are, as it were, to restore this world to the peace that was forfeited in sinning. And so God has designated a group of special people that he calls peacemakers. They are his agents in the world, and they're here to make peace. They go far beyond anyone who wins the Nobel Peace Prize because the peace they offer is eternal peace. The peace they set about to bring is a divine peace, a real peace. And so our Lord Jesus says that God has promised to bless people who are his agents for peace and even to call them sons of God. Now God here through the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, is referring to a peacemaker that's unlike any we know in this world. He's not referring to politicians. He's not referring to statesmen, no matter how good they are at working out a quote-unquote peace. He's not referring to diplomats. He's not referring to... Arbitrators. He's not referring to kings or presidents or Nobel winners. He's not referring to organizations like the League of Nations or the United Nations. He's not referring to some ecclesiastical order. He's not referring to a council of churches. God's peacemakers are vastly different, which is good because the world's peacemakers have a terrible failure record. We don't have peace politically, and we don't have peace economically we don't have peace socially, we don't have peace in nations, we don't have peace in countries, we don't have peace in political groups, we don't have peace in organizations, we don't have peace in homes, we don't have peace anyplace because we don't have peace in hearts. That's the real issue. Nobody has ever succeeded in bringing peace. I'll never forget reading a statistic. The question was how many peace treaties have been broken? The answer all of them. You see, peace is that glorious, brief moment in history when everybody stops to reload. (laughs) There is no peace. We have no ability to get along with each other. Everything and every relationship is fragile. And the reason for all of this is that man has no peace in himself. And so his world, which is merely a projection of himself, is going to be literally riddled with chaos. And if ever there was needed a peacemaker, it's now. Desperately does this world need peacemakers. And God says through Jesus Christ in this wonderful verse that he would specially bless those who are peacemakers. Now, in order to understand what our Lord is saying here, we have to deal with five truths about peace, five realities about peace. First of all, the meaning of peace. What do we mean by peace? When we talk about peace, what are we really saying? What is the definition of peace that we want to deal with? How do we see it as God sees it? What is a divine perspective on peace? Some people think that peace is the absence of conflict. That peace is the absence of strife. Well, there's no strife and there's no conflict in a cemetery, but we can hardly use a cemetery as a model of peace. No, peace as God sees it is far more than the absence of something, it is the presence of something. And I would hasten to add that in a biblical way, peace is not the absence of conflict as much as it is the presence of righteousness that causes right relationships. Peace is not just stopping the war. Peace is creating the righteousness that brings the two parties together in love. When a Jew says to another Jew, Shalom, which is the word for peace, he doesn't mean may you have no wars.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm
0: bells.